Are you a kingdom-minded real estate investor? Do you see real estate as an incredible vehicle to advance the flourishing of the kingdom and mission of Christ? If so, we welcome you to the Kingdom Real Estate Investors Podcast, the podcast to spotlight and share the stories of real estate investors just like you who are advancing the kingdom of God and using real estate as the vehicle. Let's get into the show. Kingdom Real Estate Investors, if you have not gone to oneconnectionaway.com, then you don't know that we have been promoting and just finished a live 90-minute webinar where I shared the exact strategies and secrets that have helped me go from college pastor to full-time real estate investor and purchase more than $100 million of multifamily real estate. But not only me, I also shared the secrets and strategies of those inside of our Kingdom REI Mastermind that have helped them become CEOs to attain financial freedom, to actually leverage a business for kingdom advancement. We've gotten incredible, incredible reviews, and so we're going to do an encore coming up very soon that I want to invite you to attend. If you have not already attended this, go to oneconnectionaway.com. That's oneconnectionaway.com to grab your seat for our next live webinar so that you can learn exactly what we have to quit your job and begin to live life on your own terms through commercial real estate. oneconnectionaway.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome everyone to the Kingdom Real Estate Investor Podcast Show. Uh, as always, we bring on, I think, the best guests, the top real estate investors across the country uh, who are not just great in real estate, but kingdom-minded, who love the Lord and are really seeking to, to build their business that way. Uh, and as always, I got my fantastic host, Cameron Roy. What's up, man? Hey, my man. I'm a little, uh, little, little sad. I haven't seen you, and you're in Dallas right now. That's what's up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I told you why, why I didn't stay with you, but it's nothing personal. It's nothing personal. Dallas is not a small place either, and it's not easy just to bounce around this place. Like, no, it's okay though, because we're gonna we're gonna be hanging out in San Diego next week, so it's all good. That's right. San Diego Mastermind. Excited to see you. Um, and not just you, but our guest today is going to be there as well. Ken and Rachel Wick from Higher Point Investing. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Hey, thanks. Thanks nice, for having nice us. Nice to see you both. Honored to be on. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. And I kind of, you know, feel like I have celebs on because, you know, you're kind of on like a podcast tour right now. <laughs> and I, you finally you finally made time for the Kingdom REI show. So thank you. Well, you know, when you got your podcast shirt on, you have to do as many as you can in one day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you guys look pretty good. I, don't, I, you know, I see you a lot on camera, and I, I don't know if I've ever seen Ken in a jacket. So this is a, this is a treat. It's a first. Get a screenshot, quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, hey, let me, there, there's a lot of, that we want to learn about you, but let me just pray for us quickly, and then I'll let Cameron kind of kick us off and get you guys introduced. So, Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful day uh, here in Dallas, the beautiful weather, uh, but just even more so a day to serve you and a day to hear a story about generation. So maybe folks like me are driving in the car and listening to this. May, this, may this episode be an encouragement to them. May it cause them to dream and, and, and uh, have bigger faith, Lord, that that you want to work uh, with us and through us in our businesses, in our real estate ventures. And so I pray that Ken and Rachel's story would, would be uplifting in that, in that regard. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, hey guys, glad to have you on the show. Like Ellis said, 
Um, you guys are heroes of mine as long as I've known you. I look up to you guys and your marriage and your work ethic and your faith. And so we do, like Ella said, we have a treat today. These guys have a great story. I mean, I'm going to let them go into some detail on it, but really from educators to real estate investors, how they got the transition, where they were in their life when they decided to pull the trigger and jump into real estate, how it's been going, who they've been able to partner with that's add value to their life and how they are using this world of real estate investing to build up the kingdom. So guys, let, let's get a 10,000 foot view of who you are. Tell the guests I've already spoiled a little bit. Um, why don't you give them the background of, you know, what was education world for you guys and then how you got into real estate? Oh, sure. Thanks, Cameron. Yeah. So Rachel and I are both former educators. Uh, I was an educator for 30 years starting as a social studies teacher, computer teacher. Then I went into the IT piece of school districts. In my last 11 years, I spent as the IT director of a four-campus, 2,600-individual school district in uh, just south of Minneapolis. Yeah, and I was, uh, for about 25 years, I was an art teacher at various age levels and uh, kind of did a, fell in love with real estate at age 33. And now that I'm, you know, 34, <laughs> I'm very experienced. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our real estate journey really started uh, about 17, 18 years ago. Why don't you take yeah. the torch here? Yeah, so and maybe I've shared this story with you guys. So if you've already heard it, but the listeners may have not heard it. Um, we actually got into real estate um, because I had a grandparent, um, my grandma and my grandpa did house hacking of a fourplex out in California, in Orange County, back before, you know, the, the, the properties had appreciated so much. And what they ended up doing is they lived in it. My aunt lived in it. My great grandma lived in it. And then they rented out, you know, one of the other apartments. And um, after they had all moved out, my grandma, uh, my grandpa had passed away and my grandma held the note for the next owner. And after that, she invested in even more real estate, leaving an amazing inheritance for each of us, six grandchildren. So we knew real estate could help us as educators provide for our six children in the future and leave a legacy. Whoa, six kids pump the brakes. Okay. How many siblings did you have? I had two. So there was a total of three in my family. Yeah, I also had two. I'm the youngest of three brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Rachel, you had two. There are three of you and you guys have six kids. So double the pressure, <laughs> double yeah. the uh, assets needed, the wealth mm-hmm. needed. Okay. And whenever you received that, what was it like? Because um, some people lose a loved one and then just find themselves in wealth that they never knew existed. Some people are prepared for it. Some people are given a plan for it. What was that like? And, and, you know, what was going on there? Yeah. So, well, it's kind of tragic, actually. Um, We had uh, five members of my mother's family pass away in a matter of six months. Um, So what would normally, you know, a, a parent passes away and they pass down to their children, which would have been my mom. My grandma would have passed away. She would have passed to my mom. And my mom was passing away at the same time, as was her sister. So basically, everybody passed away in that family except us cousins. And so everything filtered right down to us. And, and basically, everybody, um, after probate and everything, uh, was able to go out and buy some form of real estate that year. 
And that's pretty much what everybody did kind of kicked off our journey. Wow. That is pretty, uh, pretty sad, but interesting how, you know, that kind of fell into you guys lap. And I, I don't know this and Ellis may or may not know it, but just curious, you guys were in education for a long time. Did you all meet in education? How did you guys come together in your life? We did. We were both working in the, at the same tiny school district here in southern Minnesota. Uh, in fact, I was at that time, I was half-time IT director, half-time computer teacher. And for a tiny school district, it somehow managed to have two computer labs, really nice labs right next to each other. And so I taught I taught us a, a, a spate of different classes that, that Rachel came into the, to the classroom next door and taught programming. Yeah, you know, all our teachers teach computer programming too, right? That's pretty normal. Yeah, y'all were pulling all the excuses to see each other in that little school. I know what was happening. Yeah, I'll be the funny thing about that story, Carmen. Or Cameron is the funny thing about this story is I was coaching football at the time. Over half of my students in my classes were my football players. And then they would so they would take my class, and a couple hours later, they would take Rachel's class. And it's kind of funny how the behavior changed from my class. To when they went into her class, it was terrible. It's terrible. Oh, no. But he would kind of crack the whip. He was, he could see them through the window and he'd be like, mm, You guys be good. Yeah, there's quite a few of them I use those tackling dummies that, that afternoon <laughs> to practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't have the, the football leverage, Rachel, where, you know, it's, he, you know, in a classroom, you can only make him go to detention. Ken can make him do suicides <laughs> out on the field. That's not really fair. So I don't think that has anything to do with teaching them. skills. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to kind of move the conversation more towards, well, I would say kind of, you talked about death in the family, but even kind of what maybe positioned you to begin to think about starting your own company. I mean, that's a pretty amazing story to go from lifetime educators to, beginning to kind of build this real estate portfolio and be apartment syndicators. You know, Ken, if you want to talk about maybe some things that have kind of that prepped you for that, and then we can kind of get into the first deal, I think would be really helpful to kind of hear, hear some of that journey. I exited, actually exited education in 2016 after three years and Rachel me three years later during that period of time, I was renovating some of our apartments back here in Minnesota listening to the radio and on the radio comes this advertisement for a multifamily apartment syndication education company and uh, the speaker said hey if you want to learn all about it come to this meeting up in Bloomington uh, up in the Twin Cities and uh, we'll tell you all about it so I finished up that day came home Rachel came home from school and I said hey honey want to go learn how to do large multifamily and she was like yes woohoo <laughs> Let's do it. You bet. So that kind of kicked off our education. That uh, happened in 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, through that company, we went to a conference out in Boston where we met these two guys from Las Vegas who were really nice, really friendly, he took us out to dinner. And then, of course, then they <laughs> sprung me the pitch for their, their first deal on us. And this was at a time, you know, Rachel mentioned that her, her grandparents left her some money. This was right at a time when my, my brother passed away and he left us some money. And so we had this money sitting there at the right time, at the right place at the right time. One of these two partners 
we're at, we're sitting there after dinner waiting for the cab to take us back to our hotel. And I'm thinking, I don't know this guy from Adam. And so we started talking about God and Jesus and he started quoting scripture to us. And the more I listened to him, the more I thought, okay, God's telling me that we can go this direction. So we ended up investing in his deal and ended up investing in two more deals with them. So we ended up with three deals out in Las Vegas. And to make a long story short, and we, we can fill in the blanks if you want, but they turned around and invested in our first deal in Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Kind of came full circle, huh? Yeah. And y'all are still close with them, I assume? Yes. Yep. Very yeah. Beautiful. As a matter of fact, we're getting ready to sell um, our second one in Las Vegas right now. Um, kind of get out at this peak of the market and going to do very well on it. It's pretty crazy. So I, I've known you guys since you've done your first deal. And as so is Ellis. Um, I remember you guys talking to the mastermind group about it and what it was like. Kind of... Kind of talk about that process a little bit. Like, what was that truly like? Like, go into some details. I remember some some um, needed prayer emails, <laughs> and we were praying for you. And uh, and what was that like? Because the first deal is the biggest hurdle, and it really is. And you guys have already done that. What was that like? Okay, so when um, one of the things when we had just started doing large multifamily, we were always kind of trying to link up with other people, and God really just kind of nailed us and said trust me, trust me, you can do this on your own and you'll do what I'm asking you to do. So once we finally kind of cut the tethers with other people and we started really investigating, digging deep um, into the market we had chosen, which was Des Moines, Iowa, we put in a, an LOI at a price that we actually thought could work with the value add things we wanted to do. And believe it or not, it was an, an accepted LOI and we looked at each other and we didn't even smile. We were like, there was kind of fear. Oh fear. boy, what do we do? That's right. Like, now what? Oh no! <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like uh, the dog chasing the the tire. It's like I got it. Now what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. So that that was an interesting process, and then that kind of led us, you know, into every step. And we've been telling the Lord we really wanted to know every step of the game. I mean, so often, and many of your listeners probably know this, you get involved with a, a syndicator, but you just you don't know all the ins and outs and what it really takes. And that was, you know, honestly, we'd prayed that and mm -hmm. God delivered. We got to know every little nook and cranny of how this happens. And, you know, and there's a lot of faith needed um, to make it happen, especially on your first deal. As they say, it's always the hardest. I think, Cameron, you're referring to the Dallas last year when we sat down in front of the group and said, you know, we got this, this deal under contract. We've had it under contract since June 1st or something. We had, it was August 10th somewhere the first week in August. And I remember sitting down thinking, we got $25,000 in the bank in two weeks to raise $1.2 million. How are we going to do this? That would scare anybody. <laughs> and so we, yeah. And so we, we prayed, asked Rick to pray for us. And boy, did that work because the next day and then over the course of the next three days, we filled that entire raise. And we oversubscribed. Like while we were still in the hotel in Dallas, we got you know, what did we get a price? 600,000 right there. It, it was crazy. I mean, got, you know, just shows how much God is in it, in it, you know, if we're faithful. Can Rachel, what, um, how do lifetime educators be able to build a network that can raise 1.2 million in, you know, a week or two weeks? I mean, clearly God has been a part of your story, but from a network perspective, 
not like God just put money in your bank account that came from people, right. That wanted to invest in the deal for people listening to how did that happen? What, what prepared you to be able to have the confidence to make that offer and then go out and make those phone calls? Yeah. So I think both of us being educators, we're used to talking to people. Mm -hmm. We're also interested in, in helping people learn how to do things, you know, whatever that was in the past, art or computers and real estate. So we're, we're both uh, pretty good at talking to people about, you know, this type of thing. We had a network of people that we began calling. We had a webinar that brought us, that brought us into contact with more people. And so basically it was just having conversations with the people we knew or the people that came to us after we uh, had a webinar and started this process. And really a lot of it is, is in our case, it was teaching investors mm -hmm. about a syndication and how does that work and what's going to happen to my money and what's going to happen to the property and how do you make these returns? You know, and I wanted to just add to that, you know, I, I love God and I pray all the time and I just pray that, you know, he would share with me how to do all this. And one of the things he said, because we were wondering how can we get, you know, really connected and hit um, into passive investors so they know that we will do well for them. And he just said, give it away. Just give it away is what he, he said. And, you know, we think about how many people are selling a lot of their advice. And he was just saying, just be free and trust me that I'll provide for you and I will bring you deals and I will bring you investors. So that's what we started doing. Just spending time with people. If it took two hours to try and describe the process, that's fine. Call again, bring a group. We'll teach a Zoom group on it. You know, so that that really helped um, with several of the investors that are currently in our deals. I love that. I love that. So you were, you know, you leverage, you always talk about getting into this business. It's like everyone has something that they can leverage if you don't then it's probably you probably can't be in this business but i think most people have more than they think they do yeah. right so i mean i was a pastor right i was an evangelist it makes me pretty good at sales it makes you pretty good at like selling the deal or finding people um who want to invest with us you guys are teachers you, you leverage that to go and so you know you leverage that to then go and find investors so for clarity's sake you really your investors are not people that you had kind of built over your lifetime that was folks that you met really in the last 12 to 18 months. Am I hearing that correctly? I mean, those were new, those were new people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We accepted yeah. my brother who was, my brother came in on the deal too. And, well, that took some convincing. And he's an engineer, <laughs> so you know how they think. Oh yeah. Those, those guys are the worst. Um, <laughs> I say that my business partner is Nick is beside me as an engineer. So I, I, I really like to talk about engineers uh, in the worst way. Well, I know, I think that's really encouraging. I hope for a lot of our listeners too, to think about, you know, people's starting points is very different and that you probably have a lot more to bring to the table than you realize uh, in terms of breaking into this business and being able to do your first deal and do your, do do a big deal. So I have two questions. I don't know what Cameron has, but for, uh, two questions is I would definitely want to hear about how you're leveraging multifamily for um, kingdom advancement, but I'm going to save that one. because I think it's really cool. But I want to talk about why, you know, going bigger and just your thesis or why you decided, you know, you kind of did the small stuff and now you're buying bigger deals. You know, we have a, you know, we've been doing a webinar called One Connection Away, where we're kind of walking through this idea of why we think bigger is better. Our whole community is kind of built around this idea as well. And so I'd love to hear that from you, just in your experience, now that you've done both. I mean, just honest, like, am, 
has that been true for you guys in your experience and um, how you benefited from going after bigger deals? Right. And uh, you, you kind of hit the you said, uh, how do you take that first step? What do you leverage to take that first step? We had small multifamily around here. And, and in fact, we have met a lot of people in our neck of the woods who are, who are kind of afraid to take that first step. If they can't touch it, if they can't see it, if they can't personally manage it, if they can't put the residents in there, or they don't want to have anything to do with it. And I think part of that is you're are not really knowing what you, what you need to know to move forward. So the education piece was good. We had the background of small multifamily, which was good. We met a ton of people who really gave us a lot of encouragement that we could do this. And we kind of looked at each other and said, why are we working so hard on a single family or a duplex or a triplex when we could go bigger, we could have people come into the business to help us with it. And most importantly, make a bigger social impact with the properties that we're in. Yeah, one of the things as we, with our smaller properties around here, we oftentimes um, are seeing that our residents are in some form of transition and oftentimes people rent because they have to, because something's going on in their life. And we found ourselves praying with residents. We found ourselves, you know, helping them move in, put up, put up whatever they need on the walls. Ken's great at that. And just uh, maybe giving them furniture. Mm -hmm. And we just thought, you know, we know we can do this. We know we're making a difference in education, but we know God can use us in the real estate realm to do the same thing. And yeah, we might not have all the answers at first when we started, but we know he would show them to us very faithfully. That's good. I like that. Um, that was my question. What Ellis said was, you know, the kingdom impact this. And I just, I also think part of making a kingdom impact is having the mindset and the heart of leaving an inheritance for your children's children. And you guys have that. The reason I think a lot of people don't leave a good legacy is because they're they're always just looking for a good time and, and they're not thinking about, you know, two generations away <laughs> and you guys are. And I think it's encouraging that honors the Lord in itself. Just, you know, the original covenant um, for Abraham was you focus on our relationship with me and you, and then you and your spouse, and then you and your children. Well, and a lot of people think, well, what about my job? Four, five, six. What about my hobbies? Four, five, six. What about my, you know, X, Y, Z, four, five, and six, one, two, three is me, your spouse and your children. And it's just evident that you guys have that heart. I have no doubt God is going to just multiply blessings upon generations after you guys, you guys have six kids. That's freaking awesome. I want that many and multiple grandchildren. And, and you guys are just aspiring to look up to with that heart of we're doing business for a lot of reasons. One of those is to look after generations after us. So kudos to you guys. This kind of goes back to why I did, you know, our business is called Higher Point Investing. Why Higher Point Investing? It's too many words. It's terrible that I type that a hundred million times in emails and fills the top of a piece of letterhead or a web page. Why did we choose that? We have seen and heard from and talked to lots of people in real estate, multifamily real estate, or you know, other types of real estate who are really in it for themselves. They want the fancy cars, they want to go on vacation, they want, they want to have the biggest property on the block, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when we were trying to figure out what we were going to call our business, we, we came up with higher point investing because we know there's a higher point to doing what we do, and that is to advance the kingdom of God. Yeah. And to operate with integrity. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
I love that. Let's talk about lastly your your doors to donate. I mean, yes, you're doing it on an asset basis and your time and the way that you're caring for folks and the way you want to build your business. But you've also had this really cool idea, and and it seems consistent, Rach, right? With this, hey, just give it away, right? Theme that guys always called you to, which I think he called us all to, right? And uh, in some in some regards. So talk about doors to donate and and how you're leveraging multifamily with giving and helping children. Uh, what that program looks like and kind of your vision for that moving forward. Okay. With that. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So I mentioned that I was a teacher and a, and a football coach. Last year I was coaching football. Um, I, you know, I was in my forties and could do everything that the kids could do. And Hey, I'm going to get my work out in the same time they are. So I would do a lot of demonstrating with the kids and one September on September 11th, by the way, in 2012, uh, we had just finished the first segment of our practice and I was demonstrating some kind of uh, tackling drill. And I put my hand on the ground and other co-coach sent all the kids to get water. And then next thing I knew, I woke up on a helicopter flying me to the hospital. It turned out that I had had a sudden cardiac arrest. Local policeman had left his house two blocks away about a minute before this happened. And on a, on a whim, he grabbed his device and threw it in his squad car. Then he got the call and got, got to me within two minutes. They shocked me four times to bring me back. Got to the hospital. The next day, the cardiologist comes in with this, this long sheet of paper, the whole EKG printout, and shows it to me where the thing was flatlined until the fourth shock. And he said, you had a 4% chance of living surviving this. And so obviously, and I, I grown up as a Christian. I went to Lutheran. Uh, Sunday school and my brothers and dad, mom were great about teaching me, but obviously I'm sitting here thinking, why am I still here? I had a 4% chance of living and I'm still here. What's the point God? What's, you know, you, what's the higher calling that you have for me? About a month later, we went to a Christian music concert at our church. And during the intermission, we went out to the lobby where a big display from World Vision had all these brochures about children who needed sponsorship in all parts of the country. And the first one we picked up, we decided we were going to sponsor one. The first one we picked up, his name was Ezekiel. So that cemented it for us. From that point on, a few years later. Yeah. So um, we had this child for six years. And then in prayer, the Lord had said to me one morning, um, doors to donate.org. And, and, as I'm an artist, I'm visual, so he shows me pictures sometimes, and I saw it as a website, doorsdonate.org. So I was like, okay. And then I had a feeling pretty much that we're supposed to start sponsoring a child for every rental door that we were operating and owning at the time. And at the time, we had five. And so I told Ken, we couldn't afford it whatsoever. So this was a total <laughs> another God thing, you know, how much faith do you have? And we did it. We chose to um, sponsor six children instead of five in faith that God would bring us more doors, which has kind of spiraled us into where we are. So now we have six children that we sponsor. We're at 98 doors. Um, it, it, God is just providing, providing, providing. And the doors to donate, as we joined Kingdom REI, we met several other um, you know, Christian syndicators, and we learned more strategies how we could implement this doors to donate because we have personal relationships with those six children that we sponsor now. We know when we have a hundred doors, we can't sponsor a hundred children and have those relationships. So we knew something would have to change. Mm -hmm. And we had chatted with Steve Libman 
um, from the group and he had mentioned how he was doing a donor advised fund. Um, so we've utilized that technique now um, for, through the National Christian Foundation. And as we purchase properties, we put a portion of our earnings into that. And then we also tell others who can donate into that. And then we can grant out the funds either to the community that the property is in or um, to other nonprofits. That's unreal. I love that story. I, I don't love that Ken almost died, but I, I do love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a big question, right? Of, I think if maybe a lot of us are listening, people are listening, I'm just driving the car. No one's ever given me a 4% chance to live, but I think hearing your story should beg the question for all of us, right? Like we all have been given, actually, if you think about the likelihood of us even ever being born, it's so small. I hope it all gives us all a, a chance to think, like, what is our higher point? <laughs> you know, like, what are we really working this hard for? What are we leveraging this for? And so I love that you tied it to, to that purpose. And, and so folks can go learn about that on your website, right? Everything you're doing, the doors to donate, working with you guys, where do they go for that? They go, you'd want to go to higherpointinvesting.com, just the way it sounds. Higherpointinvesting.com. Great. Well, let me ask you this. What's, what's next? Do you have, I mean, give us, give us a kind of a look into the next, you know, half a year, year, kind of what's ahead for you guys in terms of this business and what you're, what you're envisioning right now. What's, what's the Lord speaking to you, to you today, Rach, in terms of what's ahead? Okay. So <laughs> hold on to your hats here. So Cameron, glad to see you today because we're talking funds. We actually talked to some SEC attorneys today about what is that about? God has mentioned that. We are scared of that, of course. And so, you know, one step, keep following him one step at a time. Um, we actually ended up getting to talk to uh, about 10 nonprofits yesterday uh -huh. in our local area. Um, we were invited on a call and things that we didn't even know that were coming, I think are coming. For example, they started talking about us developing affordable housing in the area. Like, we didn't even mention that. That just started coming from the group. And we we're like, well, okay, we do know people that do that. And we do know how to gather investors and we do want to be in affordable housing, we, you know. And then Ken started bringing up, tell them what you mentioned. I think it was a Holy Spirit moment. What did I mention? Hotel. Oh, uh, the hotel conversion model. In fact, uh, I mentioned that to the group and, and that was intriguing is that that is, if you find the right property, that is an easy way to get into affordable housing because if you're buying a hotel and you're renovating a hotel, that's, you're going to pick it up a lot less expensively than you would in a normal apartment complex. Renovations aren't as expensive. Yeah. And then we were just talking to somebody else who was mentioning how they're using retail space in malls that are now empty right. and they're converting them to multifamily. Senior housing. Senior housing, because then they the people can still walk inside and exercise and you know, we don't know where this is going, but we just, we're watching every second we're listening. Yeah, and at the same time, we have been back to uh, Des Moines a few times, looking at other properties. Mm -hmm. Things are, things are tight at this, at this time in the, uh, in the marketplace. Things are overpriced. There's a lot of competitions. Oh, I mean, you just really have to be very careful and very about running, mm -hmm. running your numbers and looking at properties from a very, uh, <clears throat> very financial point of view. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a last question before we get out of here. For someone who's listening to this, maybe they're 
you know, I don't know what we're going to title this. Maybe something about the first deal. If someone's doing their first deal, first big deal, what word of advice would you give them? Persevere. Pray every day and persevere. Mindset. Do not let what, what you've thought in the past trap you from expanding in the future. I think um, this, you know, you, you guys, you guys helped us um, pretty much by just saying you can do it. Just the encouragement yeah, yeah. that it's totally possible. And it is for anybody listening. To, to, to borrow your phrase, you're one connection away. One connection got us started with Todd, who put down the earnest money. Uh, each another connection got us a meeting with Dave Cox, who joined our group or joined our syndication. It, it's all about persevering and continuing to talk to people and praying about it and share your story. And people really like that. They like to hear your story and they, you know, they gravitate. I think a lot of investors out there are want to give back, but they don't know how. And so when you tell them that story, that's, you know, this is important to us. We want to give back. That sort of piques people's interest. And you can still earn, earn um, profits for a legacy for your family. It, it is all okay to do at the same time. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, guys, they said it is so true. And, I, you know, if you want to learn more about this, go to oneconnectionaway.com. Uh, we put together a 90-minute live webinar to kind of teach exactly what Ken and Rachel are talking about. But to give you the short, it's true. Like, I always talk about most people make decisions for the future based on their current scenario or their current resources. And I think it's a terrible way to make decisions about the rest of your life. Because if I, if I did that three years ago, we would never be under contract on a 200 unit, $48 million deal because I didn't have, I didn't have the resources. Heck, I didn't have the resources to make the offer on this deal. Be, but I think it's because I realized this, this truth, this principle that you're talking about. I know that I'm only one connection away from the resources I need. So why would I make decisions today that limit me from the amazing opportunities that God has for me based on my current scenario resources. And so I love that feedback. And I hope if you're listening, you take that to heart. But if you want to dive deep into that, go to oneconnectionway.com. Uh, but more importantly, make sure you go to higherpointinvesting.com to learn about Ken and Rachel and to follow along in their journey. I'm really, really excited to see where you guys go. And I can't wait to see you here in just a couple of days. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Oh, thank great. you, Alyssa. Thank Thanks, you guys. Cameron. Nice to see you both. Cameron, yeah. you're the man. Guys, if you enjoyed this, please, please, please make sure you help us get the message out uh, about the show, about Ken and Rachel's story, and, and screenshot this and go post this on social media. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see everyone next week.